John chapter 20. Uh, Like I said, John chapter 20, we're going to be picking back up on the message here today, but I'm going to be talking to and referencing many scriptures, but we'll use that as our platform to talk about our message. And our message today is the king's victorious appearance. So many times we do not ponder on enough of how much Jesus wants to reveal himself to you personally, daily. Oh, not at the, only the times of the good times when things are, seem to be just going really well and you're like, God, you're so good. But he also wants to reveal himself when things look at the darkest point in your life. He's right there and wants to reveal himself to you. Now, today we're going to see that God is actually going to see, we're going to see how at Jesus' darkest time of his life on this earth becomes one of rejoicing. Because it fulfilled the mission, and now it is to to bridge the gap between you and the Heavenly Father. He becomes that bridge. He becomes that propitiation, that the one who would pay for the penalty for the sin of the world. And as we pick back up here in chapter 20 of John, we see the story, and I'm going to read it through because it's about lies about your life, but it's about the lies here, and we're going to see through these lies that Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to reveal himself not just once, but we'll see ten times where he has been revealed to his disciples, to people, up to even to 500 during the 40 days from the time of his accession, I mean, I'm sorry, from his uh, resurrection to his accession into heaven. So follow along with me. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So you remember As we know in the scriptures, it speaks to all four. The gospel speaks of this account in different aspects, different facets of it all. And you need to read all four gospels to get a full flavor. But today we're going to see what happened on that third day, that Sunday, that first day of the week. We find right in the very beginning, if you go back and you can see in Matthew chapter 28, verse 2 through 4, that an angel rolled away the stone from Jesus' tomb before sunrise. That an earthquake actually took place, and because of a great event was taking place, and that was Jesus rising from the dead. He didn't have to move that stone. God didn't have to send angels down to remove that stone. He did that because he removed it to be able to have someone to actually speak and give a message to these ladies who would arrive first to this tomb. 
He would move that stone away because remember, one of the first chief concerns was, is how are we going to move this stone? We're going to go back in and prepare Jesus' body and get it all done and finish this preparation for burial. And they had no clue in their mind that Jesus was raised from the dead by that time. They forgot what Jesus had taught. And he didn't just say it once that he was going to raise on the third day. He multiple times. But Jesus sent an angel, angels, and rolled away the stone. And we saw that in Matthew. And when the woman who the women who followed Jesus visited his tomb this morning and discovered him missing. Mary Magdalene, remember Mary? The one who was demon-possessed by seven demons? That Jesus freed her from demonic forces? Changed her life. Won a complete darkness and attitude-controlled life into one of freedom. Oh, she she was glued to Jesus after that. She knew what... He, she can't claim that she saved herself and overcame that demon. and She couldn't take any credit. And she knew it. And she knew Jesus was the one that saved her. But we know in the scriptures there was many women. We saw in verse 2 there it was we. We did not know where they, they being these, these, these angels or whoever did, took Jesus and where they lay him. But we see here that she left, and they, they left, and Peter therefore went out and the other disciples and were going to the tomb. Verse 4, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Oh, it's kind of funny, isn't it? This is the book of John, John writing this here uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying, hey, Peter and I came running to the tomb, and and." Someone outran Peter to the two. You know, it's kind of funny how the guys be in a competition already right here. But he outran Peter with such excitement to see what the ladies were saying were true. But in verse 5, we see that he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. So John, oh, yeah, he's claiming here he got there to the tomb first, but the such courage stopped him at the door. Just wasn't quite ready to take the step of faith to go in and see if Jesus was there or not. Just looked in and he saw the, the cloth that was wrapped, that was wrapped around Jesus' body laying there. Sunday morning. You had fled because you just saw your just just saw Jesus die on the cross. A horrible death. And now here, three days later, Sunday morning, and we find that the ladies were determined to go prepare that body, but they had to come back and warn the, some of the disciples, and Peter and John come running to the tomb. And here we are, John, looking in, but not willing to go all the way. But then verse 6, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around Jesus' head, remember they put a, a handkerchief around the head of the, of the body, and around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, 
but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. Did you catch that? I'm so excited to think, is it possible that Jesus rose from the dead? So excited that he's even, it's recorded in scripture that he outran Peter. He didn't care what was going on to the guy to the left or to the right. Peter, you're going to run to the tomb or not. It doesn't matter. I'm running. But he stopped. His belief that step wasn't, was one step short. But Peter, you know Peter. (laughs) We know the history of Peter. Such great conviction, but not a whole lot of courage, if you remember. Oh, Jesus, I would never deny you. Are you kidding? The rest of my bros are going to deny you. I know, probably, but not me. But what happened to Peter? Humbled to the core, broken to the core. Because he did deny his Lord three times, just as Jesus said he would. Do you think that changed Peter? I believe it changed Peter. I believe when you're so prideful, when you're humbled and broken, that's when you're workable. God can do something in your life. And I believe Peter was workable because here he may have been just lagging behind John. That didn't matter. But you know it must have been in his head on the way to that tomb. And it didn't stop him. He went boldly into the tomb. He wanted to see his Lord. The last time he saw him was where? On the cross. Suffering. I mean, if you were Peter, and you were humbled and broken, wouldn't you want to go and see your Lord? And have just, can I have one more conversation with him? I wish I could have said yes to this right before we got here. Could I have just told you one more time that Jesus truly believes you could be loved? So we see Peter boldly going in there, and we see that the the clothes were just in place. The body just disappeared. Except for the handkerchief. And I love the story because you can see, I just envision when you read the scripture, Jesus is standing up and looking at those clothes. And they're just, they're meant for death, but I love them. And he takes that handkerchief off his face that was a part of the burial, and he just folds it up nicely and and checks it apart over here. He says, they're coming, they'll see it. I'm going to send a little message to them. I love that. And there are times that Jesus does that for you and I. There seems to be death, darkness in your life or around your life. And you're just going through something that God just starts nicely folded for you and sets it right there for you to see that he was there. Sending a little message to you that I know you're coming. 
seeking to please him. That you'd be seeking to stay with him. All your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Didn't, don't you think John and Peter were all the heart, mind, soul, strength and wanting to get there to see if it was true that he was ro- he rose from the dead? Would you? You heard the account. Would you run to the tomb? Because you wanted just to be able to see if that's who I said he was? Look at the change that took place in John's life. He stopped because he still just didn't believe until when all of a sudden he saw Peter go in and then when he came in, he saw and believed what? Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's no longer in the tomb. Verse 9, for as yet they did not know the scripture. That he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Isn't that fascinating? I find this fascinating when you read the scripture because it really brings to light many times our stories, doesn't it? That you could see something that God has done that you cannot explain. It's a miracle. You'd be like, ooh, I, I don't know how you explain it. There's no such thing as coincidence. It's one of those chose, you know, I got a little goosebumps moments here. Something happened. I should have died here, but I didn't, even though the car flipped five times and I walked out with no problem. But then that person who just went through that near life ex- death experience, didn't change him enough. Look at the verses in verse 9. He says, For yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the not that he didn't, they didn't hear it from Jesus' own mouth. We know the scripture. They actually heard that from his own mouth that this would take him to take place. Remember, the high priest even knew that Jesus said that. That's why they sealed the tomb. But sometimes when you hear the scripture, Unless you're ready to receive, unless you're ready to believe, you could be like these disciples where Peter and John, they just went away and went back to their own home. They just went back to their old life. They just went back to the way the things they've been doing, their normal routine every day. It didn't change them. But look. What happened continues to happen here. Sunday morning. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping and she, as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken Away, my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. That's fascinating. How did she not know that it was Jesus? She's just been hanging out with Jesus for quite some time. This, this, this gal knew probably every aspect of every 
wrinkle or flaw? Did Jesus have wrinkles? I don't know. It's like one of those questions. Did he have a belly button or not? You know, it's one of those questions that people ponder on that are really not significant. But you know she studied that Jesus' face without a doubt. She sat at his feet and worshipped him. She knew him. But at this point in time, now he's in his resurrected body. And there's something different about him. And maybe she was just so in shock. So not thinking clearly that she couldn't believe that her Lord would be standing alive in front of her. Even though he's right in her face. She didn't recognize him. But then look at the verses. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Isn't that a great question for us all? Who are you seeking? Are you seeking after Jesus? Or are you seeking someone else or something? a great question. It's one of the things I love about my Lord is he asks great questions concerning people. And she's supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, and I love this, Mary, She turned and said to him, Rabbanai, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Wow. Do you remember the day of your salvation? Do you remember the day when Jesus just called your name? Do you? Do you not forget the day of your day of salvation? Don't forget the day when God called you. And called you by name. And you heard his voice. And like Mary, you turned around and you had faith. Don't forget that day. Because there'll be days that you're going to struggle with your walk. You're going to be so wrapped up in the things of this world and things that and, 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 and responsibilities and, and situations and scenarios where you find yourself and you're just like, oh, oh there's only a gardener here. There can't be anybody else. When Jesus actually is the one that's standing right in front of you and trying to get your attention. Do you still hear him call you by name? Do 
Because every morning, I assure you, when he wakes you up, because he's the one that woke you up, he is calling you by name because he wants to spend time with you in the stillness of the night, through the day, into the evening, until you close your eyes and he settles your heart and mind and he allows you to sleep. You hear that. You hear a still, small voice speaking to you. I hope and I pray that your relationship is so close that you do hear his voice. As close, as right as Jesus is in your face, it's more like right there in God. And if you find this morning where you're not there, I pray that you will you will find that quiet place and talk to him and draw close to him and develop that relationship. Because I assure you, Jesus desires that relationship with you. Regardless of how wicked you think you are or how dark you've come from or where you found yourself in the past, Jesus wants And it's interesting. Jesus says, do not cling to me. Because this is not the final stage. The resurrection is the start of everything. It gives you and I life. Because our relationship with the Lord, because he's alive, he is in the, the right hand of side of the Father and intercedes for you and I. That is what the resurrection brings. An intimate relationship, an intimate one-on-one conversations and discussions and guiding of your life. If you let them. You're never alone. As a child of God, he lives inside you. You're never alone. He'll never leave you or forsake you, the scripture says. Nothing will touch your life unless it's been father filtered first. He is in complete control. But do you believe that? It's a fascinating thing. Because Jesus says, wait, no, 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 no. I haven't gone to heaven yet. I haven't ascended to my father and your father. We still got something to do. I need you now to go tell your brothers. Go tell the disciples. You're going to be the messenger that I will use. To tell those who are weary or confused or straying or scattering as the disciples were doing. And if you find yourself in a position where you're so close to the Lord and you're hearing him and you're having this wonderful relationship and you're having communion with him and conversation throughout the day and you're just really close, you're hearing something, he's guiding you. It is not just for you, my brothers and sisters. Be like what Jesus says. Now go out and tell someone the good news. Because there are people who are scattering. There are people who are weak and and are suffering and and find themselves in really dark places right now in their lives. And they need you in their lives. And God wants to work through your life into that life. 
that's how God is working. I know. It's crazy. Because we're so unfaithful so many times. We're so fickle at times. We, we say we're going to do something and never do it. Your yes is not always your yes. Your no is not always your no. But God still chooses to use you and I to go reach those who are lost. That is amazing. He could have used angels. But he didn't. He wanted you and I, his children, to go out and touch the lives of other people. So they were immediate obedience. You always know you're a child of God when you see immediate obedience. And sure enough, then the same day at evening, now we've, we've gone from you know, the angels rolling away the stone, the women going to see Jesus at the tomb and discovering him and, and going and get Peter and John and the other disciples. And we see Peter and John coming and visit. We see Mary Magdalene returning back to the tomb. And then Jesus has appeared to her. And we see the fact that Jesus appeared to the other women. You know, in Matthew 28, we see then these guards, you know, they, Jesus coming at and thinking that he was the gardener and, and all these things going on. But we also saw something in the morning that the guards, you know the ones that fell down like they were dead because of fear in Matthew 28? What happened to them in the morning? Were their lives changed, what they saw? Scripture says they ran to the high priest saying, and you know what these dudes were talking and thinking, right? Because these are warriors. These are the special forces, Green Berets. These are the elite of the elite. Nothing. These are hardcore warriors guarding these tombs. They are the penalty of death if, if, the, if the, in this case, whoever they were guarding got free or was gone or someone took that, in this case, Jesus' body, they would be put to death. Imagine that if you're in the military. And you happen to be on CQ and fell asleep and you would be put to death. Half the force would be gone. It's hard to stay awake on CQ. I'm sorry. I've been there, done that. But they ran to the high priest and said, hey, look what took place. And what did the high priest do? They knew the scripture. They heard what Jesus said. That on the third day he was raised from the dead. What, what took place? It happened. Wouldn't you think these religious leaders would then finally say, we got to give our, repent. We're wicked sinners. We took Jesus and brought him to the cross. You'd think there'd be repentance and change of heart. No. Their heart just got hardened. They bribed Judas to go against Jesus. And now they're bribing and giving money to the soldiers to, to spread a rumor that the disciples came and stole the body of Jesus. Now, if you're going to steal a body and there are soldiers out there, first of all, you wouldn't even go near those soldiers because they'll take their he your head off in a heartbeat. But let's say for somehow they decided they did fall asleep. And somehow you rolled this huge stone larger than you could even it took a couple of people to move and you went in there would you sit there and 
take and unwrap the body of Jesus and then wrap the clothes back up so that maybe they won't notice? <laughs> we take the body, maybe they won't notice. We'll put the wrappings right back in nice and neat, and we'll put the alloys and all the spices around. Maybe they won't notice there's no body there. No. You're going to seal the body. You're going to sit there, dude, fireman carry, I'll watch the door. You go left, I go right, whatever we do, scatter. See, we know the story is so foolish. The excuse of denying that Jesus was raised from the dead, it was so foolish. Even these religious, highly educated, uh, pompous religious leaders were so foolish. They even came up with a lame excuse saying that some, the disciples did kill the body. But you know the disciples as well as I do. These dudes had no thing in their minds about going to go get Jesus' body. They were still, so only the ladies were showing up at the tomb. These guys were scattered, had no desire. They weren't in scripture where they were going to go back to that tomb thinking he raised from the dead. They weren't even thinking about that. But verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. First time of the gathering, getting all the bros back together, the disciples, his, his guys who were around him for those three years, tight. And he says to them, keep in mind, look at the scripture. When the doors were shut, he didn't sit there and knock on the door or open the door. Peekaboo, I'm here. You know, didn't say anything. He walked through the wall. Now, I get excited as we do, don't you? That our new bodies will give us the ability to go through walls and go from point A to point B without having to walk a step to do it. I can't wait. I can't wait for that day to happen. It's hard for me to get to me into the car and some other places, especially after, you know, you've had some activity and the muscles won't let you move anymore. But he says to them, guys, you screwed up. Where have you been? I knew you're going to leave me again. I can't believe you're just going to leave me out there. The women have to step up and do everything. Men, you what men were. He didn't say any of that, did he? He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And he came to give us peace. And he says, peace be with you. They're not going to have peace, and they didn't have peace until when? Jesus showed up. When you find yourself in your life and there's not a peace in that day, you find yourself sitting in your room, and you don't have peace, you need to go to Jesus, allow him to come in, allow that peace to restored in you. Because apart from Jesus, you will not have peace in your life. You need to draw close to him. And when they, he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive.
the Holy Spirit. I believe we're born again right there, regenerated right there. A changed life right there. First Corinthians, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The more I spend time with you or with others across that God brings across my path, and I listen to their story of salvation, when they receive that free gift of salvation that Jesus offers, I find the root or the foundation of that changing taking place is recognizing that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. That those who say, Pastor, I, I just, I knew I was a sinner to the core. Outwardly, everyone would have never noticed. I'm a good guy. Got my act together. I look good. I smell good. You know, I, I got it all dialed in. The mask I put on every morning when I look in that mirror and I put the mask on and said, okay, here we go. Got to go to work. I put the mask on. Oh, family's coming over. Let me put the mask on. Oh, here comes my friends. I'll put a, another mask on. But beyond the mask, I know inside my head that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And I knew I couldn't save myself. I tried it. Tried to give up the drugs. Didn't work. Tried to give up the alcohol. Didn't work. Tried to give up the, give up the lying. Didn't work. Tried to give up the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It didn't work. It worked for about an hour. But then after that, I struggled again. And I finally came to the point where I heard my name called. I said that he loves me. That he died for me. And that he lives for me today. I heard the scripture. I remember the day when I got saved. I heard the scripture for the very first time in my life. No one had ever opened up the Bible, let alone I've ever read the Bible. And someone, a good friend, a business partner, convinced me to go to church. <laughs> even though I struggled. I wouldn't even go in the sanctuary. I knew the roof was coming down. They just did not know what they were doing. Inviting me to church, I knew it was coming down. I made up my mind. But I sat in the foyer, not here, in California. And there I watched the TV and I heard the word of God taught for the very first time. And I knew inside me everything was going crazy and I knew it was God. And now my life changed. These, two, these, these, these brothers, they recognized their life. They recognized where they were at. They recognized this was Jesus. They recognized the peace. They recognized 
just all that three years, things that must have flooded back in their heads. And But look at this, what took place in verse 24. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Where was he? Why didn't he stick together with the other, ele- the, the other, the other brothers, the other ten? Where, where, where was he? Why wasn't he somewhere else in hiding? Because he... Pe- because Thomas was, you know, sometimes referred to as the doubting Thomas, but sometimes referred to as the, the elitist, the person who seems to be the intellect, that seems smarter than the rest of them, kind of, as you read the scriptures. But he wasn't there. But look what happened in verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, to Thomas, unless I see, and he responds to them, right? We have seen the Lord. So he, Thomas, said to them, Unless I see in his I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Oh, Thomas, do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're saying when someone says, I cannot believe there's Jesus unless I see him personal, unless he shows up in front of me, I'm not believing this. that decision you're making is such pride that it will keep you from eternity? I have to figure this all out before I even believe Jesus rose from the dead. Do you realize the consequences of your decision not to believe? I always tell people, I mean, the kids at a young age, they understand it. Why is Adults seem to have a, such a problem understanding a simple truth. I always tell people all the time, do you see wind? The real, the real prideful ones will say yes. Many times, I can always say, oh, okay, I'm dealing with a really prideful guy here. Okay, here we go. This is going to be fun. But of course you don't see wind. But do you believe there's wind? Of course you do. Why? Because you see the effects of the wind in your life. You feel it on your skin. You hear it whistle by your ears. Even you catch a smell once in a while of something, a good, uh, you know, browned barbecue meat going. You know, it goes right past your, and you know it's going to be good. The wind took it, right? said, I had to see the Lord. But what, what is, how does the Lord respond? Then after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came to the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Boo. No. Boo, Thomas. <laughs> no. He's seen. Again, when he comes into your presence, there's peace. And he says, then he said to Thomas, he already knows what Thomas is thinking. Jesus didn't have to be in the room eight days earlier to know what Thomas was thinking. And so when you're sitting there and you go, I don't know what's going on in my life. God knows all things. He sees all things. He's everywhere. He is omniscient. He knows what you're thinking. And even with your doubts, he is going to show up. 
one day later or eight days later, he's going to reveal himself to you. And are you going to then, what are you going to do with that information? Or what are you going to do when he shows up in your lifetime? Well, Thomas, we see, Jesus said to Thomas, reach out your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but rightly answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He just didn't say, oh, you are God. Gee, can you imagine? They've been walking with God for three years. No, no. He recognized now that not only is he God, but he's my Lord. You have complete control Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The message is for you today. If you have not chosen to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your God, you do not have to have him stand here in front of you with his hands wide open to see the the nail prints. You don't have to look at his feet and see the nail prints. God is speaking to you by name right now and he's saying to you, come to me. Surrender your life to me. And when you're in his presence, there's nothing but a recognition or a revealing or light being shined upon the fact that you're a sinner that needs to be saved. And you say, I know I'm not good enough. But I'm finished. All you have to do is come to me. And I will give you grace for your soul. And if you haven't done that today, today's the day. Today's the day you give your life to Jesus. Just even in the quiet of your mind, just say, Jesus, I am here to surrender you. Don't say, come into my heart. Just keep showing up regardless of how you feel. Keep showing up. Keep reading the word because he speaks to you by the word of God. He speaks, even uses crazy old men like me to speak the word of God so that you can receive and understand. I know it's crazy. But if you will be born again, regenerated, have changed life, and now God will dwell within you, feeling you for eternity. And you ask the question again, can you do it? And you say back to the very beginning, because of one thing. He's offered to you a free gift. Will you receive it? The gift of God. Well, some people stop the story there. That's just Sunday morning. We saw his first appearance with Mary Magdalene returning to the tomb and Jesus appeared to her right there alone in the garden. We saw him second appearance when Jesus appeared to the other women right there in Matthew 28 as well. Remember Mary, mother of James, Salome, and Joanna? He revealed himself a second time. His appearance right in front of them. They saw him. 
continues. The third time in the morning, it was when Jesus appeared to Peter. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, it mentions him seeing Peter. Peter saw him. He was going to come to Peter. Remember, Peter had denied him. And Jesus went after him like a shepherd to a lost lamb that no one would find. Take a hold of him. We see in the scriptures in Sunday afternoon, his fourth appearance, when Jesus appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus, to Emmaus, Mark chapter 16 and Luke chapter 24. He was walking with them. They didn't even recognize who was walking with him. Matter of fact, at the time, as they were walking, it got to a point of destination. It was getting late. Jesus was going to continue, and the two were like, no, 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 no. I don't, dude, you need to stay with us. Stay with us. Stay with us. Because there was something about this man, and as he spoke, and, he, and, and the scripture says he revealed the scripture to these two men, there was just, it was a burning in their heart. And Jesus was raised. They heard Jesus' voice. Burning in their heart. It should happen to us as we hear the word of God talk. You should have burning in your heart. And they stayed. He stayed with them. And then he revealed himself to them. Beautiful moment for them to behold. And then it came Sunday evening. The two disciples, of course, from Emmaus went out and told others that they saw Jesus, Luke 24. But then Jesus, his fifth appearance, appeared to the ten disciples with Thomas absent. Remember here, as we see in John 20. Then the following Sunday, eight days later, was his sixth appearance with all eleven. And that's when Thomas believed. But it didn't end there. We know that in the following 32 days when Jesus stayed on this earth, we see his seventh appearance. Jesus appeared to the seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee and performed the miracle of the fish in John 21. And then we saw Jesus appear to 500, including the 11, at the mountain in Galilee, Matthew 28, Mark 16, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. That was his eighth appearance to the believers. And then Jesus appeared to his half-brother James. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. That was his ninth appearance. And then at Jerusalem, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Luke 24, Acts 1, his 10th appearance. And then finally we see at the end of the scriptures, of his moment here on this earth, I should say, we see that on the Mount of Olives, Jesus ascended into heaven while the disciples watched Mark 16, Luke 24, and Acts 1, verses 9 through 12. And people today still think they can use the excuse that Jesus did not raise from the dead and that he didn't ascend and that no one saw it and the disciples were deceived and they were just lying through their teeth. No one would go through a martyr's death. You would never go through absolute suffering of a death for a lie. They all knew this was true. They all personally saw the resurrected Lord. But as Jesus said to them, you believe because you saw. 
But blessed are you who believe and hear the message. Come to Jesus by faith. Take a step of faith. God calls your name. And draw close to him and he will draw close to you. Amen. Father, we thank you and do praise you for this morning. Oh, we celebrate and we we rejoice. As we see in Matthew in chapter 28, you said to them to just rejoice. Just rejoice in the fact that he is alive. Rejoice in the fact that he is alive and interceding and wanting to have a personal relationship with you and I. They rejoice the fact that he's made a way for us to have eternal life. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him, and we have that relationship to be able to do that. May we have lives of rejoicing, of joy, and of peace because we spend time in his presence. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray all these things. And we all said,